Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, good morning, Destiny Church. How's everyone doing? Honored to have you guys hanging out with us today. I know this isn't probably what all of us wanted for this Sunday. We probably would have preferred to have been in the building worshiping. I know me, I, I love standing in the room worshiping with all of you guys, so... That's why this was probably a little more um, difficult even for me. Um, but hey, our worship team, they did an amazing job today. Worship was great. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope your family enjoyed it. Today we're actually uh, concluding this, what was going to be our eight-week series on Ephesians. It took us about five months to finish. We're going to conclude that. Actually, we'll conclude it. Let's start over. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I'm not concluding it. That's next week. <laughs> We good? You know, when this is all said and done, hopefully they've got all the bloopers. Cross them? Does it look a little weird? (laughs) Right down the pipe. So don't sit like this. Jeff, put your legs together. <laughs> hey, good morning, Destiny Church. Honored to have you guys hanging out with us today online. I know probably... Um, This wasn't the way that most of us planned on meeting today. I know for myself, uh, I was looking forward to worship today in the building with everybody in the room. I love worshiping with our Destiny Church family, Um, but, you know, we did it a little different today. Hope you guys enjoyed. Our worship team did great as always. Uh, That's one of the things we just always do so well here at Destiny Church is worship. I'm proud of our team, um, all of them for working so hard. Today, it's actually even going to be a little bit different here. We're one week away from concluding our Ephesians series that we're going to start and do eight weeks. We're now five months in. Today, we're talking, though, about Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. And this, is a, this really deals a lot with parents and children. And so I thought, you know what, I want to do something a little different today. I want to have a panel. I want to invite some of my friends to sit up here and ask you guys some questions. And then I even have some questions for you guys um, at home to kind of ask yourselves. Kids, maybe you can ask your parents. But I want to introduce my panel up here with me today, and then, um, then we'll get right to it. All right? Over here on the end, we have Pastor Steve Ron. Yep. Um, got the hair trimmed. I sure did. Yeah, my wife made me. I was dirt bagging long enough. Yeah. He came in today, and I was like, who is uh-huh. this Come on, fresh, clean, clean guy? Brand new man. Brand new. Thanks for inviting me. Yep. You know, so Pastor Steve, he'll be sharing with us today. Beside him, we have Jill Perkins, and Jill is... Uh, a part of our church, her and her husband Jason, and their two kids, and their three dogs, or four dogs, or eight. I'm not sure how many dogs they love dogs. And uh, but Jill teaches at uh, Republic Schools, and so I know this has been an interesting week just for you. Uh, I, I felt this week as I was, um, you know, with Tasha having COVID, so I've had to do everything right now, and she always handles the schoolwork. I felt like I needed to go back to first grade just to learn how to do, like, a Zoom meeting and seesaw. I thought, you know, a seesaw to me is something you, you bounce back and forth on as a kid. But they said you have to go on the seesaw. And so I didn't know. I had no clue what I was talking about and trying to figure out. And Malik's getting mad at me, and then we're all laughing. But anyway, but Jill, um, you're going to hear from her, and uh, I'm just excited to hear even what you have to say. And beside me here, I have my daughter, Mariah. She is not a parent, but she is a child, and she is the one that is... You know, and I was looking at this panel, I was thinking, I want somebody that's, um, you know, most recently been a child and um, in the home, and so that would have been Mariah, so you'll hear from her. Her and Cody got married in, and, uh, in July, and they are doing a great job leading our youth, and uh, got Cody his first deer this week, so he's excited about that. And then beside, beside Mariah, we have Jeff Ushery. He's a good friend of mine, good friend of this church, um, head of security here. And, uh, and, and neighbor, and our boys hang out, and so you're going to hear from him as well. And these guys are all, I think they all have something special to say to you. 
And so I just let's just dive right into it. We're going to start with Ephesians chapter 6. If you have a Bible, if you want to open those up to your families today, you can grab those out. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to read through some verses, and then I'm going to ask some questions to our panel um, based off of those. And I just want to hear what you guys have to say, um, what you think. If, if, if something jumps into your head and I don't ask you a question, feel free. You don't even have to do it like, teach, like in school. You don't have to raise your hand. Just say, hey, I got something to say, and then you can say. But let's just dive right into it here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Um, this is one of those verses all the parents said amen, right? Children, obey your parents. Hallelujah, right? So all you kids watching, listen to this verse. Children, obey your parents. But listen, it says, because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Children, obey your parents. This command is simple, it's direct, it's straightforward. And so I wanted to ask Mariah, um, what do you think, obviously all of us know what it means when it says children obey your parents. We think of that in the worldly sense, obey me because I'm your parent. How many of you guys remember as a kid, I remember when I'd ask my parents why, and they'd say because I said so. I hated that response, I always wanted to know the why, you know, but I'm your dad, you have to obey me and do whatever I want, but I find myself now as a parent, how many of you use that same line? Because I said so, because I'm dad, do it. But he goes on, he doesn't just say, children, obey your parents. He says, because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Mariah, I'd like you to answer, why do you think he says, children, obey your parents, because you belong to the Lord? What, what's your thoughts on this verse? Yeah, like you said, this is a very straightforward verse, obey your parents. It's not something that leaves room for question, what it's trying to tell us to do. But it does say, like you honor the Lord because you belong to the Lord, which when you obey your parents, it teaches you how to obey the Lord. Mm. When you're a child, you don't necessarily know this is how I do things. I don't know not to touch a hot stove, but if my parents tell me to, that's something I should probably listen to. I don't understand at the time why, but as you get older, you learn why. And in Proverbs, it also tells us, that he who honors his parents is wise. Yeah. So when you honor your parents and you obey your parents, you come to learn wisdom and you come to learn to just obey authority. It teaches you how you should act as a person and also as a child of God. As a child of God, we should obey the Lord. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, I didn't, you know, even that verse in Proverbs, as you obey your parents, it, it brings about wisdom. And, uh, you know, I mean, that is, I, I think... As a child, even as a four, five, six-year-old, maybe I don't know who the Lord is yet. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like that idea of that as I begin to obey my parents, it's teaching me even how to honor and obey the Lord. Another thought here for this um, is not only is it, a, is it a child's responsibility to obey, whose, whose responsibility is it to teach him to obey? That's ours, right? I mean, how many times have you seen a parent... Guilty. We've done it. Probably all of us on the stage have done it, and it drives me nuts every time we do it. I said, do it. I'm going to count to three. And then you count to four. And it's like, I'm going to count again, you know. And I don't think we're teaching our children to obey very well. So I believe it's our responsibility. In the Bible, we see multiple people that we know as heroes of the faith or people that got their names put in the Bible. David, Samuel, Eli, kings, priests, prophets. We see these men but then they had a trouble raising up their own children. I think sometimes as parents we get so consumed with ourselves and our responsibility, our career, our job, what our hobbies, whatever it might be, that we kind of forget to parent our children. So Steve, I want to ask you, there's no doubt that God placed um, the responsibility of parenting a child on the parent, right? I mean, God speaks directly even to fathers here. But I think it's this neutral term where he's speaking to both of us as parents, husband and wife, mom and dad. But I think one of the things we've done is we have given up our authority sometimes as parents to our teachers. You probably see that a lot, you know, as a teacher. You can tell who probably obeys and who probably doesn't obey at home. Um, so we see that a lot. But Steve, let's talk about this responsibility as a parent um, to teach our kids. How do we teach our children to obey? And then maybe even you have some practical thoughts or tips. Because, and I don't say this, something you wouldn't say yourselves. I've watched you with, with your kids. I, when you have four that are close together, sometimes it's like, oh my goodness. 
And I've watched you and Brooke really navigate that well at times with your kids. So talk to me about parenting and how do we teach our kids to obey? I, I think you hit it, hit it on the head there as far as children obey your parents because, because you belong to the Lord, because that's the key to the whole thing. It's the why. And I think that the, uh, the breakdown comes when our kids don't have something to anchor their actions in. The why, it's the, the most important part in our faith and in our kids to teach them that because, the why. Do it, I said because I do it. Oh, get your kids to do it more, more often than not. But, uh, and I don't think that's wrong yeah. necessarily, and I think that's an important lesson to teach them, but I think it produces the, the most elementary level of obedience. Yeah. I want to teach my kids a greater level, like me and Jeff were talking, where obedience doesn't just come from obligation, but it's coming from their heart out of like a celebration. There's a deeper level of obedience that I want my kids to tap into, and I think that only comes when we teach them the why. Yeah. It's not just do it because I said so. It's you, we obey our parents because we belong to the Lord, because you were bought with a price, because you were purchased by the highest price from heaven, and that's, who, and that's why we obey our parents, because yeah. that's who you. It's not what we do as Jesus followers. It's who we are. Yeah. And I think that produces a different level of obedience where it's a celebration. And so I want to be quick to, as much as I emphasize obey, I want to, I want to even more so emphasize and highlight because yeah. you belong to the Lord. To make sure, I want to spend more time teaching them who they belong That's to than, than to do what I say. Yeah. And I think that, uh, yeah, and then so for us, you know, and I don't do this. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I probably told my kids a hundred times yesterday because I said so, you know. But I want to try to shift and navigate more to put more emphasis on because yeah. the why than yeah. than the action, yeah. so to speak. So I love that, Steve. I, I was. It's interesting as you're talking. Last night I was watching um, the great scholar Larry the Cable Guy. Um, but Larry the Cable Guy just de- rededicated his life to the Lord just a few years ago, and I was watching him. He was at Liberty University, and he was sharing his testimony. And he was talking about, as a kid, he grew up in church, and he did several things because he was just told to. He had to do it. And he said, I did them because I had to. But he, and then he started crying. He said, but he said, he said, now I love Jesus. And he's literally weeping on the stage. And he's saying, I'm so shameful for some of the things I did when I was kind of running from the Lord. And he said, now that I've come back, he said, I'm not doing things because it's the right thing to do only. He said, I'm doing them because I know who Jesus is. And I think that's even just a great thought, even as you were just talking. I was thinking about that. If we can teach our kids who he is and whose they are and begin to change the identity inside, it's not just about obeying my parents. It just becomes something we do um, because we know whose we are. So that's, that's, that's a great thought, great challenge. Any thoughts from any of you on that about children obey your parents? Any of you want to throw anything at us? I think kind of to, to go along with what Steve said, because we were having a conversation earlier, uh, we, we grow into that giving our heart to the Lord. You know, we have the free will, and you can't take spreading the gospel from someone. They have to want to do that. So I think the more of a role model we are to our children, and they see what's right, then they're more apt to do what the most important thing is, and that is carrying on the spreading of the gospel. Yeah. And that's something that they have to give. We can't make them do it. So the obedience doesn't really play a role in that portion of it. Uh, you know, making our kids behave, obviously, is important. But bringing them up to want to give their heart to God yeah. and want to spread the gospel yeah. is just as important as yeah. making them mine. Yeah. You know, one thing I was thinking about, even as you guys were talking, if we're going to teach our children to obey the Lord because they belong to the Lord, then number one, we need to really begin to teach our kids who the Lord is. But as a parent, we need to model that. Yeah. We can't say, hey, you got to do this because you belong to the Lord, but we're not modeling it in our homes, right? So as a parent, I just want to encourage you guys, if you have a child at home that you're struggling with or something like that, maybe try a different method. Yeah. Maybe try leaning into the Lord and, and using him kind of as that model in your family. Um, verse 2, I love this verse. It says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So if you guys pay attention, those of you on the panel with me, those of you in the, uh, watching your living room, wherever you might be, 
when you read Ephesians 6, verse 1 through 9, it really is about honor. I mean, that whole set of verses really is about honor. Honor to your parents, honor to a child. I think that's something we don't really talk a whole lot about is honoring our kids. But you've got honor to employees, uh, honor to an employee. Um, and then ultimately, when you kind of put all this together, when we honor each other, we're honoring God. I love the verse says, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. So I, I think of that even in the sense of honor. When I honor Steve, I'm honoring God. When I honor Mariah, I'm honoring God. When I honor my spouse, when I honor my child, my boss, my employer, whoever that might be, I'm honoring God. So just a minute ago, I asked Mariah um, about obeying your parents because we belong to the Lord. But verse 2 doesn't say obey. It says honor. Somebody tell me what's the difference between honor and and obey. What's the difference between honor and obey? Jeff, let me ask you first. What's the difference? Sure. So in its most basic form, I think at the root, you obey rules and you honor wishes. Yeah. Um, I think that our first nature is that we have to learn to, we have to learn obedience and learn what the rules are, as Mariah was talking about earlier. But then we grow into that second nature of honoring and doing things because I don't necessarily have to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have to do what's right. But I want to honor God, and I yeah. want to honor my family and, and yeah. those around me and my children. So I think growing into that second nature, it's, it's more complex, and I think that's when we, again, give our heart to the Lord yeah. because we want to do what's right. It, to me, when you just said that, what flashed into my mind was the fact that my, uh, my, I have two grown daughters, and they don't, they don't live at home anymore, and they don't have to come over and see me. They don't yeah. have to come yeah. over for my birthday but when they do that, I feel like they're honoring me. Mm -hmm. So when I get up on Sunday morning and bring my kids to church, when I don't have to do that, yeah. I feel like we're honoring the Lord and that's I'm good. teaching my children that that's what that's all about. That's good. Mariah, same question. What's, what would you say the difference is between honor and obey? Obey is the action. Honor is more of the attitude behind your actions. Yeah. When you're a child, you are taught to obey your parents. You don't necessarily know why. A three-year-old's going to throw a fit, maybe cry. They're going to throw things. But eventually, they're going to obey. That's a terrible attitude behind the obedience, though. But as you grow up, I'm no longer directly under your authority as my dad. I don't have to directly obey everything you would tell me to I do. I think you should. You may think I should, but that's not directly my role anymore. <laughs> but because you're my dad, I still honor you. That's what I learned as a child. I still consider you as someone wise to look up to, to go to for counsel. So as you grow up, you become someone who honors your parents more so than obeying them. That's good. Yeah, so obedience is an action, and it's temporary, right? Honor is lasting. You both hit on it a little bit there, but for me, Donna Marquita Blancet are my parents. I don't have to obey them anymore. I'm not living in their household. I have my own family, my own kids. But I do honor them. I honor them because it's the right thing to do. And I honor them because of how they raised me and taught me and trained me. So honor is kind of something that lasts. So that's kind of a good thought there. Um, verse 3 says, If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. This verse is very interesting to me. I mean... I, I've read this verse multiple times, but as we're thinking about this panel, this verse here really kind of, if I obey and honor, it actually, it doesn't say obey, honor. So there's that difference there. If I honor my parents, things will go well for me and I'll have a long life on earth. Jeff, I want to ask you, what do you think Paul's meaning when he says, if you honor your parents, things will go well for you and you'll have a long life? Do you, do you guys really think if I honor my parents well, I'm going to live to be 100? Well, I can tell you, uh, thinking about this from a kid's perspective, I feel like if I hadn't honored my parents, I probably wouldn't have lived very long. Yeah. So I wouldn't have had a, a long life. Yeah. But I think what's important about this is that, as you kind of said, it's a commandment with a promise. It's God doesn't repeat himself often, but when he does, you should pay attention because it's important. Yeah. And this is the fifth commandment in the Ten Commandments. It's the first commandment that has a worldly approach that yeah. where you're doing something for someone else. Yeah. And I think the reason that that's so important is because, you know, children are a heritage from the Lord, and God has entrusted us with our kids as he did our parents with us. And our parents, as parents, were to be those guardrails to keep kids on the path. Yeah. We have to show them what 
what living right is and how to how to uh, trust in the Lord and how to serve and those things. So not only is it really a message to the children to honor your parents, but I really think it's a challenge to the parents that this is the responsibility that God's given us yeah. to, to be an extension of him. Yeah. So we're the conduit that gets the, the children from where they are to him. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Verse 4, um, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. As we read this, at first, it would sound like Paul is talking directly to the fathers. Now, if that were the case, um, that would be fine. I mean, dads are the head of a household, and that's how God created it, how God set it up. But the Greek word here refers really to both sets of parents. And this would be a revolutionary way for them to parent with both. I was reading, this was an interesting fact to me that in this culture, one of the things they would do is if, let's say that they brought a baby to Steve that his wife had, they would bring that as a, as a parent, they'd bring that, they would lay it at his feet as the father, and he could either accept it or reject that child. The father had ultimate authority in that family. Well, Paul is coming, and he's kind of changing some of this, and he's really speaking to both parents. So in the world we live in, where you have sometimes a single mom, you know, so there is no father in the household, um, or... You have both mom and dad living in the household. I think both parents have responsibility and both parents have authority. I don't think as a parent we should say, hey, you wait till your mom gets home or you wait till your dad gets home because what we're doing is we're passing off authority. I think as a parent, it's my responsibility. If my children disobey me, I don't need to bring my wife in to that moment or wait for her to get there. I need to deal with that as a parent. So Jill, I want to ask you, when this says don't provoke your children to anger, and then we're talking about responsibility as a parent, what do you think Paul is referring to here? And then kind of a second question, how could we as a parent provoke our kids to anger? Yeah, I, I think when I think about this, I was contemplating at, you know, at my home what it looks like and we all live these busy, stressful lives, and we come home from work, and who do we tend to take that out on, yeah. you know? And <clears throat> sometimes it's our kids, and it's not intentional. Our energy, they feel it. They feel our stress, and when we bring that into our home and we're already here, you know, kids rise to the occasion. So if we're here, our kids are going to meet us there. Yeah. So if we're stressed and angry, they're going to meet us there. And when we need a discipline or, or have that teachable moment with our kids, we really need to be here. And we need to let them see, okay, I'm calm. I mean, Jesus was calm when he taught. He wasn't up here. He wasn't yelling and screaming and, and have that short fuse. He was here. So when we have those teachable moments and those disciplinary actions with our kids, we need to be here because we will poke the bear. We will provoke that anger in our children. And, I mean, that's a lesson I need to learn, too. I can do it really well at school. You know, they're not my kids. I can, I can be calm. I can be here. And it's bringing that home and reminding ourselves that if we, if we discipline at a, a teachable moment and we have those biblical stories to reference, our kids are going to be so much more receptive. And it goes back to Steve saying, we got to tell them the why. It's, yeah. You know, it's not because you haven't picked up your shoes for the 17th time in the living room, and now I'm just angry. It's, you know, why are we picking up our shoes, and why do we want to keep our house clean? And all those things come back to just doing it at a level that's calm. Yeah. You know, I want to throw a curveball at you, but really any of you that are parents can answer this one. Um, you mentioned kind of when you're stressed and you're kind of or angry mm -hmm. or whatever. I've found, I have found myself that I would parent in a moment of anger. Mm -hmm. Have you found out as a parent it's, it's maybe easier and, and in a moment makes you feel good when you fly off at the handle? Maybe it's like, ah, and, but then that reaction of that child. So one of the things I've learned is sometimes I need to take a step away. Mm -hmm. Any of you experience that as a parent where it's like, I need to step back a minute before I parent here? Any thoughts? Absolutely. And I think it actually 
gives the child an opportunity to think about it too. So if I say, I'm not ready to talk to you about this right now, it bothers my kids. Because they're like, well, what, what, why does she need to think about it? Like, what? And then they start thinking of their own consequences. And then they're more reflective too. So then they're able to come back to the table. I'm able to come back to the table calmer. And okay, why did you act that way? And we can also get to the root of the problem. Because a lot of times when kids are upset about something, it's not because they have to unload the dishwasher. It's not because they're you know, mad they have to clean the room. Maybe something happened at school that we didn't know about. Yeah. Maybe they felt like they were betrayed by a friend. And so all that will come out if we just be patient, yeah. give them time to think about it, and come back to the table, both of us calmer. And a lot of times the kids will come up with the best consequence that I didn't even think of. Yeah. That's more of a, a real-life consequence versus give me your phone, you're grounded yeah. for it, from it for two days. So I just think it, it's so important to just give ourselves. It's okay to tell your kids, I'm not ready to talk to you about this right now. I need, I need time to to calm down. So I'm not yelling. You're not yelling. We can come back at this at a later time. That's great. And another thing, as you were talking, I was thinking about is there's times when I don't need to bring Tasha into a conversation when I'm parenting one of my, one of the boys now. Yeah. It was a moment I need to parent in that moment. But then there's times from Raya all the way down to Malik where, as you were talking there, Jill, maybe even think there's sometimes when they do something that's even bigger than that moment. Yeah. And so one of the things that I think as a responsibility as parents is sometimes when we're coming up with consequences or whatever, sometimes I do need to talk to my yeah. spouse. Hey, me and your mom need to talk through this a little bit because we need to figure out how we're moving forward so we can both be on the same page because, I mean, you know, as parents, each of us sometimes will parent differently. Yeah. I mean, we were raised in different homes. Some parents spank, some don't. So you have to figure out that moment. Hey, how are we going to parent responsibly in this moment? Any thoughts, Steve or Jeff? Yeah, well, I, I think going back to the verse, bring up your children, uh, instruction and discipline, that comes from God. Yeah, It's like that comes from God. That's the key. How often, I mean, we're doing that. I mean, parents, we're doing that all day, instruction and discipline. We're doing it all day, especially three wild boys. I'm doing it all day. How much of that instruction and discipline is just shot from the hip? Yeah. And how much of that instruction and discipline is actually coming from the Lord? Yeah. And I think that's the responsibility. It's a challenge to us as parents to lean in. Is our walk with the Holy Spirit current, fresh, alive, and real enough yeah. that our interaction, our in instruction, our discipline, that everydayness, yeah. is that, are we leaning into the Holy Spirit for yeah. that? Uh, obviously, we lean into our spouses and things like that, but are we actually taking a second to hear from God what is what are you saying in this moment yeah. to my kids? Yeah. How do you how do you see this situation? How do you want to handle this? And and it's not like a huge hour prayer meeting, but our is our walk with the Holy Spirit current enough to where we can have that inner dialogue yeah. in those, especially in those heated moments? Because like dads, I mean, we're just gonna shoot out, you know, we're just gonna fly off the handle most of the. I mean, I I'm guilty, you know. And it's in those moments where we slow down. And are we current enough to say, Holy Spirit, like, how do you see this? Yeah. What's your reaction here? You know, Steve, as you're talking, I mean, one of the things we have to know as parents, one of the things we have to think about is, is the Lord wants to be involved in our parenting. I think for too long, we've all probably tried to parent outside of our children or outside of the Lord, I guess you would say. We've just shot from the hip. We've just responded in a moment. But if we would take time to talk to our spouse, but to lean into the Lord, God, what are you saying here for my son? What are you saying here for my daughter? What are they going through? Did they have a bad day? Is that why, is that why they're quick with me right now? As a parent, I'm thinking, well, they're mad at me. No, they're not mad at you. They had a bad day or somebody said something to them or somebody hurt them. I need to, I can't figure all this out on my own, but the Lord can. The Lord knows. So that's great advice there is lean into the Lord even for a moment of why our children is our child is responding in the way that they are, lean into the Lord. But that is that next verse. It, it, I mean, it continues there. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. What do you guys? What does that? What is that discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord? Well, I a little bit about what we were just talking about too. I think it's important practically to understand that if sometimes people say they have a troubled child, and I think at times they have a troubled parent. That's good. And that's because it's just as important. When I'm disciplining my child, I'm making withdrawals. Yeah. 
And I need to be on the front end of that, making sure I'm making deposits. Mm. And that is that I'm spending time with my child in advance. That it's that not every time they get attention, it's negative. Because if they don't get any attention, eventually, if they do get the negative attention, that's what they're going to strive for because at least it's something. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, God wants us to spend time with our children in a setting that's not just teaching and obedience. Yeah. Sometimes it's just going out in the backyard, whether I've worked 13 hours and I'm brutally tired, that when my little boy says, will you go back in the backyard and play catch with a football with me, that I say, I sure will. Yeah. Because that is... A moment in time for me, but it's a moment of a lifetime for him. Yep. And that's those those are the deposits that I'm making that eventually when I take a withdrawal, he trusts that I'm I'm doing what's right. Jeff, that's that's probably, in my opinion, some of the best advice for a parent listening that maybe it's not always just discipline. It's you are disciplining your child and instructing them and giving them wisdom, even when you're playing ball with them in the yard. You're putting that deposit in. Because I do, I think that is something we probably do a lot as parents. We get busy. We want to come home. We want to veg out or whatever it might be. We want to do our thing, and our kid is needing something. So the only thing they get from us is a heavy hand or, or discipline. I can see exactly what you're talking about. I think that's great advice for us. So I think it's important to spend time up front. But also, I want to ask any of you, that verse says, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So we've got to put those, just playing ball with them. But there's also other things as Christian parents that we have to put into our kids. What are some of the things we can put into our kids as Christian parents? Thoughts? Yeah, I don't know if this helps. This is kind of what we've adopted in 2020 um, as a family. And it seems like it's helped for all of us to be on the same page a little bit more consistently. And I'm sure all parents can relate to this. We've got four kids, and it seemed like there was a season there where we, all we were doing was getting on to them. It was just like one thing after another. They're frustrated. We're frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. And so we're like, God, what do, what do we need to do here? Again, lean into the Lord, ask from the Lord. And we felt like God really gave us some wisdom that's helped us a lot. And uh, we felt like we were supposed to stop disciplining behavior and start holding accountable for family values. That's good. And so we started to say, hey, if it doesn't line up with our family values, then we need to reevaluate. And, uh, and so, like, it was, it was cool because instead of 2,000 do's and don'ts a day, we narrowed it down to 10 values. And if we're not upholding those 10 values, then we need to reevaluate uh, 10 things that we're going to be as a family. In other words, like, this is who the Rons are. Yeah. And it shifted the focus off of what we do or don't do. And on to this is who we are. That's good. And I think that's more kingdom than yeah. do's and don'ts. Yeah. Um, and so it was really helpful. Ten values. So our ten values are we're excited about life. We, are, we honor all people. We do our part. We passionately serve the Lord. Uh, we're always thankful. We have each other's backs. We're always encouraging. We love all people. We are leaders. We are worshipers. Those are ours. So for so an example of like how this works. And this has been really helpful for us. So three boys, you know, there's trash talking going on, which can very quickly get out of hand and turn toxic, right? Uh, we all know that. Um, so what used to be we would have disciplined that behavior by saying, like, hey, stop talking down to each other, disciplining the behavior. Uh, but now we're saying stuff like, hey, are we upholding our values right now? Wow. Well, no. Okay, well, what values are we not upholding? Well, we encourage each other, we love each other, we have each other's backs. And yep. so it gets them thinking about back to who we are rather than what we do. Yeah. Uh, it gets them thinking. It's, it's a healthier approach. It's, yeah. I just think it's more kingdom um, than, than enforcing do's and don'ts. And it puts their focus more on who they are rather than what they're doing. Again, bringing back to the fact that God wants to be involved in our family. Yeah. God, wants, God wants to be involved in our parenting all of that. And so that's just kind of a great thought there, uh, Steve, from honor the Lord. Not, it's not so much don't do this. I think that's even been our Christian faith. Don't do this. Why? Why don't I do this? You know, why can't I do that? Well, it's, it's, it's coming against our values, you know, of who we are. Um, it's, it's, that's not who you're designed and created to be. And I think that's a great parenting approach. So let me just kind of throw a couple of questions at you guys as, as parents, as audience, as kids, um, how can you do a better job in your home of training your child to be obedient and to know God, but to honor you 
to honor God, to honor grandparents, to honor siblings? How can you as a parent do a better job of that? I think one of the ways we can do that is family devotions. So I would encourage you to have family devotions. Spend some time as a family either sitting around a table having a devotion or, I mean, one of the things we do is, is you version. You can have everybody kind of doing a Bible study together and there's a spot that says talk it over and you can talk back and forth. But have them do, do a family devotion. What can you do um, on a daily basis to start feeding your kids from God's Word? Um, so just kind of just some thoughts as a parent. How, is you, how can you as a child um, sitting in that house, how can you do a better job of honoring your parent? I mean, those are just some great questions and great thoughts for us today. Now, Paul, um, so we've read this first part of these verses, and it's really talking to the family. But Paul takes honor to a different approach here. Now he begins to talk to employees. Um, before I read this, though, we should note that all, um, that the literal, historical, and cultural understanding of this passage refers to primarily bond servants and to slaves. In Paul's day, most people owned slaves and servants. Historians estimate that there are around 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. That would have meant that around half of the people were slaves or bondservants. And so then what started happening then, as, as the presence of the Lord is sweeping through, and Paul is taking the gospel to Rome, and, and, and other people are bringing the gospel to Rome, well, these slaves are now finding Jesus, and they're getting saved and so, but they're still working for non-Christian masters. And so they become to Paul and they're like, hey, what do we do here? Do we stay and work for this, un, for this non-Christian man? Or do we run away? What do we do? And th- so their, their mentality is, if I stay, I'm going to help this non-Christian become rich. It's against my values. So do I, do I continue to work hard for this man who doesn't love God? Or do I do as little as possible so that he doesn't? increase his value or his net worth. And so that's kind of the question that they were asking Paul here is, hey, do I continue to honor this man now that I know Jesus and he doesn't? And so slavery was, was a big thing in the Bible. I mean, we see that. We see it mentioned in Colossians and 1 Timothy and the book of Titus. We see it in 1 Peter. We see it in Philemon. I mean, all throughout the Bible we see this issue. But today in our modern 21st century um, in America, we don't have slaves. We don't have masters. Um, we want to abolish that globally. I'm so thankful that that dark season of our nation where we had slavery is no longer, but we're still seeing repercussions of that. We see the, the negative, nasty side of slavery. We want to be as far away from that as possible. But today we do have employees, employers. We have those types of things. Understandably, there's a major difference. As an employee... You are free to leave that job, you know, unless you sign a contract. I know teachers, you sign a contract, you have to work, but, but they don't control us. We're free to move. <clears throat> but nevertheless, this idea of working for somebody is the same. So Paul's writing to slaves here, but I think we can apply this to us as well. So let's read Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, and I have just a couple of questions and we'll wrap it up. But I want to read these, I want to, I'm going to read all these verses at once. Servants respectfully obey your earthly masters. I'm reading this from the message translation. But always with an eye to obeying the real master, who's Jesus. Don't just do what you have to to get by, but work heartily. I think there's some great advice here for us as employees, Mm -hmm. as people that work for somebody, especially verse 6. Don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants. So see, this comes back to even as we were talking about as parents, we're teaching them that we're doing this unto the Lord as a parent. If we do that, they're going to carry this on even as an employee, right? So if we teach them the why, why are we doing this? Because of God, not because I said so. Then as they're an adult, this is in them. So don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servant, doing what God wants you to do. Verse 7, and work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. Good work, verse 8, will get you good pay from the master, regardless of whether you are slave or free. And then verse 9 says, Masters, it's the same with you. No abuse, please, and no threats. Again, even what it talked about to dads and moms. Don't, don't provoke your children to anger. 
you and your servants are both under the same master in heaven, who's God. He makes, he makes no distinction between you and them. So, Jeff, I just want to kind of throw one question at you. How do you see these verses as it relates to how people in authority treat those they are tasked with leading? You lead a bunch of people. Um, how do you see this as an employer to the employee? So the, the part of that verse there where it says it doesn't matter who's given the orders, it's truly God given the orders. And I think that's because God puts people in places of authority. And uh, I think it's our job to obtain the honor, as we've spoken about before, of those people who were tasked with leading. There's a big difference in being a leader and being a manager, as you well know. Yeah. And our goal in life is, even with our children and with uh, people that we meet on the street, is to get them to follow into the gospel. And I think you have to have your eye on that when you're leading other people, when, when you're making decisions or anything that you're doing. So I, I think really, as a leader, you have to look in the mirror and ask yourself if you deserve the honor. Yeah. And if you don't, I think you have to really dissect and address why you don't. And you have to have, I mean, it's all about servant leadership. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you have to be willing to serve the people that you're willing to lead. Isn't that a big idea at Silver Arm City, servant leadership? Yeah, it absolutely is. I. It doesn't matter. Uh, there are people there. We all have titles, but really when it comes down to it, none of the titles matter because yeah. we're all really after one goal, and that's yeah. to serve our guests. Yeah. And as leadership, uh, we, we get judged by those people that we lead. So they get an opportunity every year to, uh, to tell us how we're doing. And that's really important because if you don't understand uh, what you should be doing you know, to lead people properly, then you're, you're never going to get there. So it's, it's so important that you have the honor of those folks that you have an opportunity to lead. And if not, I think you need to take a good, hard look in the mirror. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think the first person I heard that mentioned servant leadership probably was Chance Wistrom. Yeah. He was big at that, the former superintendent of Republic Schools. He was that first person I really started to hear and say that term, servant leadership and then I started seeing what you guys were doing there there at Silver City and other places it even impacted me as a leader here at Destiny Church I I don't want to I don't ever want to be the boss that do this because I said so I want I want to model this and that's servant leadership and that's great Mariah I want to throw a question at you um, because I've watched you I, obviously I'm your dad but I've watched you since you're a kid you've always worked hard um, and now you are married, you, um, you go to school full-time, and you work. And I've always watched you, even as a kid, you've always worked hard. So verse 6, when I read that, I really think of you. Don't just do what you have to to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servant, doing what God wants you to do. Why have you always kind of worked hard, and just why do you have the mentality you do when it comes to work? I think that a big part of it even comes into verse 7. It says, serve wholeheartedly as if you are serving the Lord. Yeah. And I know for me personally right now where I work, my immediate coworkers are not Christians. They're not followers of Christ. So I want to be the example to them of what it means to be a Christ follower. And that doesn't mean being a good person because my coworkers are very kind. They're very dedicated to the patients to come in, that come into our doctor's office. But what am I doing that's different than what they're doing? What am I doing that's truly as to the Lord? And that is such a big thing. Everything we do in life should be done to bring glory to the Lord. Whether that's me working in a doctor's office, you being a pastor, a teacher, um, anything else that you do, we should be doing everything as to the Lord, raising your kids, um, taking care of sick people, going to visit a friend. Anything we do should be done as to the Lord. So if you take a step back and you ask yourself, what am I doing this for? Your answer should be to bring glory to God. Do this. If I was doing it to the Lord, how would I be doing this? And if you're not living up to that standard, I want to reevaluate my actions. That's good. That's good. Um, Jill, talking with you back and forth through some of these questions, you told me, you've, even as a kid, you knew that you wanted to have a job that was in public service. But one of the things you said, um, I don't even know if you said it, but if, if you realize you said it, but you said you want to do it with enthusiasm. And then you have this verse, and Mariah just hit on even verse 7. It says, and work with a smile on your face. 
I've seen you. Um, I've heard stories of who you are as a teacher. I've heard great things about you. You're modeling this. Can you talk to me about kind of how you view working and serving and doing it with enthusiasm? Yeah, I, as a teacher, and I'm sure most of you have heard this, but uh, 2020 has taught us a lot in public education, um, how to be flexible, adaptable, resilient. And I could sit here and tell you all the things I have to do, like the cleaning protocols that we've had to do, the curriculum changes from DESE, the community Green County guidelines that we're following, the the do's, do's, do's from all my bosses, from all these different realms, and that's all, it's a lot. And um, if I festered in that and sat in that, I could be bitter and tired and exhausted, but I choose to make my priority serving God. Mm -hmm. And I know that when I took this job, I was walking into a classroom every day to see these kids who may not know God. And it's my job to smile through and to say, you know what, this, what I'm doing is building a kingdom of God. Yeah. And whether, whether at the end of that school year that child has changed or not, I'm still leaving a ripple, yeah. you know. And if I were bitter and tired, they're going to see that. And I talked about that earlier. Kids, kids see us. They feel us. And even if we try to hide it, they, they're smarter than they look. So I think just putting all of that aside, all of the things that my bosses from all these different realms want us to do, it's all with good heart. But ultimately, God is the reason I'm there. Yeah. He put me there. And he wants me to be the hands and feet. Yeah. And that's a huge blessing. I mean, that's an honor to me that God has called me to do that. And so that's where my enthusiasm yeah. comes from. Yeah. Because I know I may not see it in this lifetime, but I hope in the next yeah. that I can see the kingdom that I helped yeah. build. Well, I mean, that's one of the things he even says is, hey, you might not be getting paid or you might not get your reward right here, but you're going to get it. Yeah. You're going to be rewarded from God for the things we do. You know, to me, Jill, there is, I mean, I think what all of us do, I think what Jeff has done as a police officer, um, I think what Mariah's doing with going for child psychology, Steve, what we have done in ministry. But I think, I think if you boil it down, there's probably no greater job of service than that of a teacher, than that of a school employee. I mean, you're impacting them more, oftentimes more than a parent. You know, the police officer is that one that's coming in that moment to get onto them, but you, you can yeah. sow seeds, and so you can. You can come in with that negative attitude, or you can come in with that positive attitude. I mean, and like you said, 2020 for all of us, how many things have you had to change this year at Hershen Family Entertainment because of COVID? Everything. You know, this week alone here at Republic, hey, we're seated. Hey, we're no longer seated. Now you have to learn in your living room from a computer screen with your teacher. I mean, we were laughing. I mean, Mal Malik's teacher, she was she couldn't get her, her computer working, and and then I have these I hear these first graders telling her, "You got to push this button. You got to push this button." And I'm laughing as the first graders trying to teach the parent or the teacher how to do it, you know. But you have to. You just have to go in with that enthusiasm and joy and that smile on your face. Hey, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. So, Steve, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that instruction from the Lord is also just our attitude. Yeah. You know, we're instructing just through our attitude. Yeah. So I've, you know, I don't speak of God at school, but my attitude and my actions do. Yes. And so, you know, I've, I keep telling my students, like, this 2020, you are learning these life skills that I didn't learn till I was way older. Yep. You are learning to be flexible and you are learning to serve others when they're helping their teacher on those yep. Google meets, like yep. they, they're jumping in and they're serving and, and they're so resilient yep. and think of all, you know, 2020 may be all these bad things, but there are so much good that's come yep. from it. Yep. So that's good. Steve, wrap it all up with this whole idea of Ephesians six, five through nine, talking about employers, employees, Ultimately, we're doing it all for the Lord. Would you wrap it kind of all up for us today? Yeah, I think it's just a huge invitation to invite the Lord into the everydayness of our lives. Yeah. And it's just clear that when we do that, things go better for us. Yep. It's the best way to live. And I just feel like, uh, you know, even wrapping it into 2020, 2020 is a giant invitation to increase our dependence upon the Lord. Yeah, that's good. 
And, uh, and if we'll do that, we're going to be okay. Yeah. And our lives are going to be good, and our kids are going to be fine, and our jobs are going to prosper, and all those things. But more than that, our soul is going to be healthy. Yeah. And when that's healthy, man, everything else, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. If Internally, if we're, if we're doing okay, if we're healthy, if we're whole, if our relationship with the Holy Spirit is current, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. We're going to be fine. And so I think this is just a huge invitation to just invite him in to every day, not just Sunday. Yeah. Man, so, yeah. That's, I want to end it with that um, challenge. Invite the Lord into your everyday life as a parent. Because that's what we have done. God is reserved for Sunday. And I go and I worship on Sunday. But man, God needs to be more involved. Sunday to me is the celebration of what I've done all week long as a parent, as an employee, as a student, as a child, whatever that might be. So I just want to encourage you today as we wrap all this up, thanks for hanging out with us and watching. But man, this week, practically, as a family, how do we begin to get God more involved in our everyday life? What are some family values you guys can have that help you begin to understand the why? You know, how can you begin to approach parenting with a smile on your face or whatever that might be. How can you respond differently as a child? So I just want to encourage you, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, put God in that, not just on Sunday. But when you go to work, involve God there as an employee or as the employer. Honor, you're doing all of that, whether you're working or whether you're serving or whatever it might be, bring God into all of that. Man, if we can bring God into all of that, it will change everything. So I just want to encourage you guys, Keep God as the focal point of your everyday life. And man, Paul says it. Your life's going to be blessed. You're going to live longer. You're going to be happier. You're going to be healthier. Your soul's going to be healthy. Thank you guys so much for helping me. This was great. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, We love you. Have a great, great week. Sit down, have a conversation with your family. And uh, hope all of you have a great Thanksgiving. However you're going to do that this year. I don't know how many, I don't know who we're all gathering with. I know just my family for sure, but whatever I do, I'm going to eat a lot of turkey, all right? This is the one time a year I get turkey. I bought a 13-pounder just for me. No, anyway, hey, we love you guys. Have a great, great week. God bless. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.